Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, I'm Chad Young. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. Going to dive right in. Busy, busy day. Focus on the most fantasy relevant news as best we can. Clayton Kershaw is the most concerning news of the day. He lasted four innings, giving up two runs. One of them earned on three hits with four strikeouts and a walk. He threw a couple of warm-up pitches before the fifth inning and then pulled himself from the game with low back pain. His back has been an issue for him in the past as well, so this is pretty concerning. Look for news today on what's coming next. Another star was scratched with illness Thursday. That was Kyle Tucker. Less concern there, though, as Dusty Baker said he should be back today. The Nationals continued their rebuild by releasing Alcides Escobar. Escobar had only 131 plate appearances in 42 games this year, but his presence meant that Luis Garcia, who is still a promising young player, and Cesar Hernandez, who is not, were not always on the field. This solidifies the two of them and also creates more space for C.J. Abrams to return to MLB or for Lucius Fox to get a shot. I would keep an eye on Cesar Hernandez as he's really struggled and could be a candidate to lose his job to make room for one of those kids before long. The Rangers placed Cole Calhoun and Dennis Santana on the IL, calling up Bubba Thompson to help out in the outfield and Cole Reagans to make his Major League debut, starting against the White Sox. Reagans hasn't been bad in AAA. His debut was a bit of a mixed bag. Just one unearned run and three hits in five innings, but only three strikeouts and four walks. He mainly used his 92-mile-per-hour fastball and a changeup though he did mix in a cutter and curve, but honestly, none of those pitches were that exciting. The cutter was the most interesting, generating three whiffs on eight swings out of 11 pitches, but there's just nothing you should be jumping at despite the shiny 0.00 ERA. The Rays claimed relief pitcher Jimmy Yacobonis off waivers from Miami. Yacobonis had a renaissance of sorts this year, suddenly posting a K-rate over 30% for the first time since A-ball in 2014. Home run and walk issues have undermined his season, But anytime the Rays claim someone flashing a skill like that K-rate, I am very curious what else they see. Philadelphia got back a couple fantasy-relevant players. Kyle Gibson returned from the bereavement list, while Gene Segura was activated off the 60-day IL. They made room for Segura by designating Didi Gregorius for assignment. I was really high on Didi when he moved to Philly, and it's just never worked out due to injury and performance. Segura, on the other hand, has been a strong contributor and is worth a look up the middle. He was at second base and in seventh on Thursday, went 0 for 2 with a strikeout. Seems like the second base job will be his, with Bryson Stott continuing to hold down short. As expected, the Mets got back James McCann. 
And since they were unable or unwilling to get Wilson Contreras or Sean Murphy or even Christian Vasquez, McCann still has a job. He hit ninth, was 0 for 3 with a couple strikeouts Thursday. His bat has not made the transition from backup to starter, and it doesn't look likely to change. Speaking of catchers, Omar Narvaez hit the IL for the Brew Crew on Thursday. This is brutal timing for the Brewers, who carried three catchers for a while and finally designated Pedro Severino for assignment on Wednesday, just after the trade deadline. Narvaez hasn't had a great year, but has been above average for a catcher offensively, which gave him some fantasy value, particularly in two-catcher and deeper leagues. Victor Caratini will take on the bulk of the catching duties now. He's been very strong offensively this year, but just 177 plate appearances. If his performance can carry over to a larger role, he'll be a really useful fantasy catcher. But that's more of an if you need him than advice to go out and get him. He started the new role the right way, hitting 7th, going 1 for 3 with a walk and a solo shot. The Twins placed Kyle Garlick on the IL and got Gilberto Celestino back from the paternity list. Garlic continues to show some flashes, but isn't producing or playing enough for most fantasy leagues. Celestino came in as a defensive replacement Thursday. He isn't hitting or running, so even if he gets a regular spot in that outfield, he does not have much value. The Marlins not on the field Thursday, but they were busy. The Fish optioned Jesus Sanchez and Nick Neidert to the minors. Sanchez ended April with a 139 WRC+, seemed to be ready to break out. Since then, he has just a 71 WRC+, and this demotion was, to be blunt, a long time coming. No need to wait on him for fantasy. Meanwhile, the Marlins replaced those two with a couple more exciting names. Peyton Burdick is an outfield prospect with big power potential and a big hole in his swing, but he's made big strides this year, bringing his K rate down from 35.5% in AA last year to 25.7% this year. He also has decent speed, not 20 stolen base speed, but 5 to 10 potential, maybe 15. The Marlins figure to give him a good long look to see if he's an outfield answer for the future, and he is worth watching. If he can keep the Ks down, he can be useful for fantasy. The pitcher they called up is Edward Cabrera, one of their slew of impressive young arms. He should get the start today, though that is not yet confirmed. He is worth going out and getting, especially with the Cubs on the docket. In other Marlins news, Craig Mish, who should be your go-to for all Marlins news, said that John Birdie should be back soon, probably within a week, while Jazz Chisholm was still a ways away and may not return at all. The Red Sox followed up their confusing trade deadline by moving on from Jackie Bradley Jr. JBJ was released and is likely done with Boston for good at this point. They also lost an arm from their already thin rotation as Brian Bayo was put on the IL a day after being pulled from a start due to injury. He has a groin strain, and the timeline for his absence isn't yet known, but it will be at least a couple weeks since he's on the IL. In better news for the Sox, Michael Waka may be ready to take a spot in that rotation. He went the first four and two-thirds for the Woo Sox on Thursday, starting off the team's first ever no-hitter. He walked one and struck out eight and definitely looks ready to bounce back. They also got Matt Barnes back from the 60 IL, and it'll be interesting to see how he impacts the pen. Closer role hasn't been clear, and Barnes has held it in the past. The Royals moved Edward Olivares to the 60-day IL, which basically ends his season, at least from a fantasy perspective. He needs another six weeks before a rehab assignment. 60-day IL runs through mid-September for him. If he comes back, he could be a sneaky, useful ad for fantasy playoffs, but otherwise, just waiting on him for next year at this point. They also optioned Michael Garcia to the minors and brought up Nate Eaton. Eaton has 20 stolen base speed, so if he plays regularly, he could be interesting, but only if you're a little bit desperate. Sean Newcomb recalled by the Cubs for their doubleheader started game one, went just three innings in what was effectively a bullpen game, striking out one and allowing two runs on five hits. Not interesting at all. 
In Atlanta, Robinson Cano cleared waivers and elected free agency. Cano has now failed to stick with three orgs this year. And while the last couple times I expect him to get another shot, have to wonder if this is really the end. We should know soon. Some call-ups and returns coming in the next few days. The Reds are calling up Robert Duggar tomorrow to start against Milwaukee, while the Tigers are calling up Brian Garcia to face the Rays. Neither is fantasy useful. Hunter Gaddis, however, being called up by the Guardians might be. He was drafted with good control but lacking velocity, and the guards have worked with him to increase the velocity, which now touches mid-90s. Stop me if you've heard this one with Cleveland's pitching prospects before. Gaddis is, for my money, one of the less exciting Cleveland pitching prospects coming up soon, but he is a big riser this year. At Baseball America, he was outside the Guardians' top 30 to start the season, was number 19 in the midseason, and he is worth a look. If the velocity is good, the slider can be a strong out pitch. No way I want to start him against Houston today, but I'll be watching for sure. The Giants, meanwhile, expect to get Jock Peterson and Brandon Crawford back Saturday and Tyro Estrada back on Sunday. Those are three key players for them and will require some shuffling of the roster and lineups. For the Mariners, Mitch Hanniger should be back within a week. Ty France should be back today. And Julio Rodriguez and Dylan Moore should be back in the minimum, which for them means six more days. That's basically half a lineup the M's are getting back. A couple pieces of post-deadline lineup news. First, with the lefty on the mound for the Rockies, the Padres gave Jake Cronenworth a day off and put Brandon Drury at second base. Drury had been the DH Wednesday, but Thursday, Will Myers was at first base, which pushed Josh Bell to DH. This is definitely something to watch. If it continues, that could basically put Cronenworth and Myers into a platoon, which would really eat into Cronenworth's playing time. He is better versus right-handed pitcher, and at least he'd be on the large side of the platoon, but he is solidly above average versus lefty, so losing those games would hurt fantasy managers. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, the Astros had Trey Mancini on the bench, though he did come in to pinch hit. The interesting thing there, though, is that Yuli Gurriel was at first base and hitting second, suggesting that Mancini is far from supplanting him, and there may be a fairly large timeshare situation going on with the Astros across multiple positions. Again, just something to watch for for now. Some contract news is Justin Verlander surpassed 130 innings, which was the threshold for his $25 million player option. He will now have the choice to take $25 million to stay in Houston or hit free agency. Given how he's pitched, seems like he should opt for the latter and see what the market will bear. His six innings pitch Thursday included zero runs, two hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. That lowered his ERA to 1.73. Finally, we received confirmation that Whit Merrifield has, in fact, made the decision to get vaccinated and will be joining the Jays in Toronto today. The Jays are already starting to take advantage of his flexibility as he played center field on Thursday. He hit eighth, which does not bode well for his usage in the lineup moving forward, but he did go two for five with a run and an RBI. After all that news, we'll try to move quickly through the on-field action. The Angels must have eaten their Wheaties on Thursday. They powered up with seven home runs, two from Shohei Otani and one each from Kurt Suzuki, Taylor Ward, Joe Adele, Jared Walsh, and Mickey Moniak. They still lost 8-7, as those were all solo shots, and Otani was the only player on the team with more than one hit. Otani's forearm, though, at least seems to be doing okay. Tyler Naquin isn't missing Great American Ballpark yet. He was in left field hitting seventh for the Mets, two for four with a couple home runs, his eighth and ninth in the year. Fellow new addition Dan Vogelback hit his 14th, and not to be outdone, Pete Alonso got his 29th. Naquin, in a pure platoon role, can really do some damage. J.D. Davis left the Mets. He went one for four with a home run and two RBIs. This is my warning to you that with regular playing time and whatever magic the Giants coaches seem to work, Davis is about to go off. Ramon Laureano had a rough couple weeks when he returned from suspension, but since May 27th, he has a 117 WRC+. He improved that on Thursday, going 2-for-4 with a home run, a double, two runs, four RBI. 
now has 12 runs and 10 stolen bases on the season, and it is a shame he didn't get traded to a better park and a better lineup, but he is still very good. His teammate Seth Brown had a combo meal, two for two, three walks, a home run, a stolen base, a run, and two RBI. Brown doesn't walk a ton despite the three on Thursday. Makes him a little bit volatile, but he has a 130 WRC plus over roughly the last two months and is a solid power speed play. Two for two with a home run doesn't sound like a complete game, but Reese Hoskins managed that in just the five innings before the Nats-Phils game was washed away. By the way, both pitchers threw a complete game, quote-unquote, in this one. Paulo Espino went four, Noah Syndergaard went five, neither pitcher did well at all. The Astros get hits wherever they can. Chaz McCormick, three for five with his 11th home run, scored twice and drove in three. Martin Maldonado, two for four with his 11th as well, scoring once and driving in three as well. Anyone in this lineup is worth a look when they are in the lineup. Randy Rosarena, four for five with a couple RBI in his 21st stolen base. He was off to a slow start, but looks like the hitter we expected since then. Michael Harris, another two-hit game, two RBIs, a run, a stolen base. Why is he still hitting ninth in that lineup? Other home runs around baseball, Mike Brousseau hit his fifth playing third base for Milwaukee, a bunch in the Chicago-St. Louis twin bill. Wilson Contreras at number 15, Nolan Gorman number 12, Paul Goldschmidt is 26th. Patrick Wisdom bestowed dong knowledge on the world for the 20th time this year. Tyler O'Neill hit his sixth, which is a shockingly small number, to be honest. And Nolan Arenado got number 21. Mookie Betts got his 25th. Trey Turner hit his 18th. Ryan McMahon, number nine. Alec Bohm hit his eighth, and he continues to be impressive lately. Brandon Lau had three hits, including his eighth home run. Ronald Acuna hit number nine. Jake Cave got his first. Didn't matter much because the Jays were way ahead, thanks to number 16 from Teoscar Hernandez and number 22 from Vlad. MJ Melendez got his 11th and Sal Perez his 15th as the new look Royals offense is starting to click. They each had two hits, as did Bobby Witt Jr. Witt Jr., by the way, as we move to stolen bases, stole his 21st on the season. Nicky Lopez got his 9th and his 10th. Michael Massey got his 1st, but he does have 13 in the minors this year, so there is some speed there. Seiya Suzuki got his 6th. Nico Horner nabbed his 11th. Tommy Edmond his 22nd. Austin Slater swiped number 7. Steven Vogt stole his 1st which is pretty unexpected. Michael Franco stole his first, which was also pretty unexpected. Lane Thomas took his third. Franco and Thomas are also a reminder that Noah Syndergaard cannot hold runners, and there's plenty of opportunity against him. On the mound, Jose Quintana, excellent in his cards debut. His only blemish was the Wisdom home run. That was the only run and only hit he allowed over six innings, striking out seven and walking two. think St. Louis will be a really nice landing spot for him given their defense and that park. think it'll lead to a very good stretch run. Brandon Woodruff had what you could only call a disappointing start versus Pittsburgh. Six and a third innings, three runs, only two of them earned. Eight hits and three walks with just three strikeouts. His velocity is down a tick and you hate seeing him be shaky. But for me, this is actually a good time to make a trade offer for him. Don't be ridiculous and try to buy low. No one is selling low after that one start. But this might be a day that a legit offer actually catches the attention of a frustrated manager. That said, at least Woodruff wasn't Joe Musgrove, who got the Rockies at Petco and gave up six runs on eight hits and a walk over four and a third with six strikeouts. No big concern, just a wasted opportunity for a nice night. And honestly, at least he wasn't Kyle Wright, though Wright can at least point to the matchup for some of the blame. He gave up six runs on seven hits with just four strikeouts and six innings pitch versus the Mets, walking two Carlos Carrasco, not great opposite him, but got a W with a quality start, giving up three runs on four hits and a walk over six with six strikeouts. Both of those two just had tough matchups and should be fine going forward. Marcus Stroman, solid going six and two-thirds, six strikeouts, no walks, three runs on five hits. 
Quality start, but no win. Did help everywhere else, though. Meanwhile, Miles Michaelis had the same three earned runs and six strikeouts and six and a third, but allowed eight hits and a walk, so not quite as useful. Paul Blackburn officially done for me. Only four runs in five innings pitch, but four solo home runs to a weak offense. I'm moving on. Kyle Freeland took on the amazing ball-crushing Padres and held them to two runs over five and two-thirds with seven strikeouts, but he didn't really pitch that well. Walked four and gave up six hits, and I'm just not interested. Jeffrey Springs went six sort of shutout innings as the two runs he allowed were unearned. He had six strikeouts, no walks, four hits, which is an awfully nice night, even if it was against an easy Detroit lineup. Alec Manoa's line will look solid going six innings pitch long, two runs and two hits with five strikeouts, but he walked four and was lucky to avoid more damage. Sonny Gray, sort of the same. Five shutout innings of one hit ball with five strikeouts and five walks. I would not start him in this kind of matchup moving forward against teams like the Jays. He's got the Dodgers coming up. I would stay away from him there, despite pretty good overall numbers. Johnny Cueto with such a Johnny Cueto line. Eight innings, but took the loss. Just three earned runs on 11 hits. Had only four strikeouts, but no walks. He just pitched to contact and avoided too much damage. Finally, the Royals have been getting improved pitching lately, and Chris Bubich took his turn Thursday. Went six innings, two runs, four hits, and a walk, and six strikeouts against Boston. He's still a watch and see for me, but the velocity is creeping up, and maybe there's something to look at. In the bullpens, I have big questions about the Brewers' pen, and they are not being answered clearly. At least not yet. Devin Williams gave up a walk-off home run Wednesday, then came out in the ninth Thursday in a tie game, not a save situation, gave up a hit, didn't get a strikeout, did keep the game tied, and then Matt Bush, not Taylor Rogers, came on for the 10th inning save and blew it. Now Williams has gone back-to-back days, and if a save comes up today, you got to figure Rogers, who was off yesterday, will be the one who gets the shot, but I don't know. I still think Williams is likely the guy there, but I think this is going to get murkier before it gets cleaner, at least in the next couple days. With game one of the doubleheader tie, Giovanni Gallegos got the eighth and Ryan Helsley the ninth. Helsley ended up getting the win after the cards walked it off. The San Francisco and LA bullpens did work on Thursday. They combined for 10 in the third innings, allowing just three runs on five hits with a walk and 13 strikeouts. At the end of the day, it was Craig Kimbrell who allowed one of those runs and one of those hits and got one of those strikeouts, getting his 20th save. Zach Jackson started the ninth for the A's up two, got a couple K's, but also gave up a home run. That allowed A.J. Puck to come on for a one-out save, his third save of the year. Puck went Wednesday as well, so I think they were just trying to get him a night off, but failed. Suspect he'll get that night off today. Jonathan Hernandez got the save for Texas. It was his second. He's an interesting play if he can grab more complete control of that job in Texas. And speaking of complete control, Edwin Diaz got his 24th save in style, shutting down division rival Atlanta over two innings pitch with three strikeouts and a hit. He is just unbeatable when he is on. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we cut back, we'll talk about the action coming up today. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well, from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball, even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Let's take a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Unlike yesterday where we dodged some major problems, today there may be a little bit of a different issue. We're going to see the the Nationals at the Phillies have some rain around. We're starting to get into a little bit more moist pattern with the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. We'll see showers and thunderstorms, and I expect that for that area tomorrow. It's more concentrated that area. I don't expect anything as far north as New York City. So that's the game to keep an eye on for tomorrow, and that should be about it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for guys to stream today, if you can get Justin Steele or Edward Cabrera for that matter, why not? They're going head-to-head and both of them have pretty good matchups in which should be a low-scoring affair. Dean Kramer, another with a good matchup as he gets the Pirates in Camden. Should be an opportunity for him to put up decent numbers. At the other end of the spectrum, get your Phillies in the lineup as I suspect Josiah Gray will give up a home run or two in that one. As for what I'm watching on Friday, I already mentioned Hunter Gaddis. The other big start I'll be paying attention to is also in the AL Central. Tyler Molly getting his first start from Minnesota, and he has to face the Blue Jays. It'll be very interesting to see how he handles that, although it's probably his next couple starts that'll be more telling than how he fares against that offense. With that, don't forget to go check out Pitcher List to read the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks. You'll get a lot more detail on everything that's going on around the game. Hope you have a good night, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.